What's up? Welcome back here to Where in the Sports World. I'm Travis Eldridge. We are headed back to Spain this week to catch up with the former Villanova and Oregon basketball player Dylan Ennis. Dylan now starring in Spain's ACB League, which is one of the best pro leagues in the world. Former home of current NBA stars Luka Doncic and Goran Dragic. League's legit. Ennis playing with Zaragoza at the moment. The team that finished the regular season, a shortened regular season last year in third place. This year, Dylan averaging more than 15 points per game, helping lead the way through this first part of the season. On this episode of the show, we talk with Dylan about his journey to Spain, how he got there in his career. We talk about his unique college journey as well, from Rice to Villanova to making a Final Four at Oregon. We discuss how his brother Tyler Ennis's decision to turn pro after just one year at Syracuse influenced him in his career and we get his number one Canadian basketball player of all time. All of that and much more. We are all over the map right now with Dylan Ennis. So Dylan, where in the sports world are you right now? Um, right now I'm in Zaragoza, Spain. Um, I play in the ACB as well as uh, Basketball Champions League. So Zaragoza, Spain, sum it up for people. What is there a city in the United States you can relate it to? Like, what's the feel? Yeah, well, uh, it, it's hard, you know, with, uh, with uh, Spain and, you know, America. You know, it's, it's completely different uh, cultures. Um, but, you know, it's a big city. Um, it's a lot to do here. Um, you know, some European countries you go to are very small, so that's why it's hard for people to adapt. But, you know, we're about uh, two hours away from Madrid and Barcelona, which is great. You know, when we have time off, you know, uh, me and my wife and my daughter are able to, you know, take the train up there, you know, enjoy the weekend. Um, but, you know, it's a great city. I feel like there are certain players that go overseas and it's all business and other people, and I think that you're probably more in this situation where you want to enjoy the fact that, hey, very few people from the United States ultimately get a chance to go work and live in Europe for an extended period of time. How do you look at the balance of obviously you're there to do a job and try to get better, but also you want to enjoy your surroundings a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing to be successful over here. Um, yes, it's a business and you have to make sure that you are always performing and, you know, always making sure that your team's winning. But at the same token, you know, you have to enjoy it. You know, you have to enjoy traveling the world, you know, being, you know, overseas and seeing different cultures and uh, different things. Um, luckily, um, we only practice in the mornings most times, you know, and, you know, after that, you know, me and my wife, my daughter are able to go do things around the city. And, you know, even when we have time off, uh, like last year, we decided to go visit London uh, for the weekend. Um, you know, we're here for 10 months. You know, you might as well try to make your home for that 10 months. I think some guys try to count down till the next summer and when they get to go home and they don't allow themselves to fully enjoy uh, the whole experience. You had tweeted about enjoying the experience a couple of months ago. It actually gained some, some notoriety back here in the United States among especially some college basketball writers. What's your message to, say, the, the kid that's like yourself, he's coming up through college, is reaching his pinnacle as a senior, may not get a draft, maybe not be drafted in the first round and be guaranteed a chance in the NBA. They get a chance to go overseas. What would you tell somebody in that situation? Um, I would say, hey, you know, you didn't fail. Um, initially, uh, when I grew up and, you know, even in college, I 
thought, you know, if I don't play in the NBA, then I, I failed making my dream what it was. Um, but you didn't fail, you know, going, coming over here, uh, you know, not all the places you'll be, not all the leagues are, will be amazing when you start off. You know, sometimes, you know, you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. But, you know, enjoy the process. Enjoy uh, seeing different countries. Um, enjoy play basketball. And at the same time, being able to travel the world. You know, the NBA is not the, the only stop um, when it comes to basketball. And, you know, I think if you give it a shot overseas, you'll realize that maybe that was your path. You know, me doing this, you know, I experienced things I never thought I would. And, you know, obviously it'd be great to go to the NBA, but, you know, the overseas route is uh just as or better experience for me as a basketball player and as a man. What do you have to embrace in terms of that challenge? Because there's a language barrier, there's a new country you've never experienced. What do you have to embrace in order to be successful? Um, I think the main thing is uh, the culture and the people around you. You know, I know it's going to be different. Um, you know, I know there's going to be a language barrier between you and, you know, the people who live around you. But, you know, you have to you have to give it a shot. You know, try to do things that try to adapt to the culture that you're in. And, you know, once I think you do that, you're able to still live in, you know, how they move in their environment and you know when the two worlds combine you know i think it's a better experience dylan people i think know the acb through the people that have come over a guy like luka Doncic, who obviously we've seen most recently and he's doing quite well for himself in the nba but how do you sum yeah. up the level of play and the style it's hard for young guys to thrive in the acb just because you know guys been there for so long and know how to play the game. Um, so, you know, you trying to learn the game, you know, at being a rookie, you know, it takes some time, but, you know, once you can be successful in the ACB, um, you know, I think you can play anywhere in Europe. Where's your game at now? Like compare it to your final year at Oregon. Like where do you kind of compare your game at now? Um, you know, I always say, and I think I was a completely different player from college and now, um, you know, I, I don't know why I, but, you know, becoming a pro, you know, I just had this newfound confidence. Um, and, you know, I played it around, you know, amazing guys, you know, a lot of guys who went to the NBA. Um, but, you know, I always knew I had the abilities, but, you know, when I turned pro, you know, I, I took that next step that I didn't in college. And now I think, you know, I'm right in my prime. Um, I'm getting better every year. And now, you know, I'm a known name in Europe and, I think that's just because, you know, the pro, pro game is more of my fit. So talk me through the whole experience of going from uh, to the, the draft process to trying to make an NBA roster to ultimately figuring out where you are now and, and thriving in Zaragoza. Just walk me through that whole process. Um, you know, when – um, being a six-year senior, you know, I kind of knew it was going to be a long shot to hear my name on draft night. Um, luckily, you know, my younger brother uh, was a lottery pick, or right outside the lottery, so I was able to be in the green room with him. So I got that experience through him. Um, but, you know, he threw me a draft party, um, you know, with me and my family, you know, just to, you know, have the feel for it. You know, and I always thanked him for that. Um, but, you know, the workouts, you know, I was able to go to, nine, I want to say nine workouts, nine or 11 workouts. You know, I told my agent, you know, I'd work out anywhere, just try to get my name out there, let them see me. 
Um, and then um, after the draft, I went to Oklahoma City Thunder in Orlando uh, to play in their summer league. You know, I did great there and then flew straight to Vegas because, you know, I just wanted, you know, NBA guys to, you know, just see me. Um, I had that record-breaking game uh, with uh, – it was 36 or 38 points with Golden State. And, you know, I think that really put my name out there. Um, I thought I was going to, you know, get a, a training camp – a lot more training camp calls. Uh, my agent told me, you know, I could have went to Golden State or OKC and, you know, fight for a two-way spot. And, you know, I, th I definitely thought of it. Um, but, you know, being how old I was, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, in that – two-way because I think that you know that's more for younger guys you know going up and down um so then you know Misco my agent over here who was with who's with Excel and I was with Excel at the time um they called they said you know he loves your game he's the big time agent in Europe and he can make you you know a lot of money in Europe and you know it's a long shot because I didn't know who he was I never heard of him I never heard of European teams but you know something made me say you know why not let me try to double down on myself and, you know, I did that, you know, I, I was on his, he owns a team, Mega B Max, who has a lot of NBA guys, um, Jokic, um, they have a lot of guys who, you know, play there and go straight to the NBA. And, you know, I went there, you know, played great. And he said, you know, Christmas time came around, you know, I only played four months with his team and he got me into the EuroLeague. And, you know, from there, you know, I just continued to get better, um, continued to be successful on each team I've been put on, you know, now, uh, you know, I'm in the driver's seat, you know, God willing, I stay healthy. You know, I think that, you know, I'm on an incline right now. So that's good. Well, you mentioned being on the incline. What's the ultimate goal? Is it still the NBA even a couple of years out? Or do you change the goal based on the success you've had in Europe? Um, you know, I, I thought when I first got here, it was just, you know, get back to the NBA, get back to the NBA. But now it's, you know, where I fit best. You know, if the NBA team calls and, you know, I fit best and obviously financially it makes sense, then, you know, that's where I'd go. You know, if a EuroLeague team calls me and that's where I fit best, I go. And even if it's not even in the EuroLeague, you know, Champions League, Euro Cup, you know, they have great teams. And, you know, if it makes more sense for me, you know, where I want to um, continue going, you know, where I'm going to be happy on and off the court. You you mentioned your, your brother Tyler, and I had a chance to, to cover him. I, I went to Syracuse and uh, was in upstate New York when, when he was uh, at Syracuse starring in, in his one year. How did his experience and going early in the draft, but maybe not clicking right away in the NBA and, and kind of having to be a journeyman a little bit despite being a first-round draft pick, how did that kind of guide what you've done? Yeah, um, you know, he, you know, him starting at uh, the height of heights, you know, being selected uh, from the green room, um, you know, it was always our dream. And then, you know, him having the challenges, the ups and downs in the league. Um, you know, I was just able to pick his brain about the pro game. And I know, you know, the NBA in Europe is uh, kind of different. Um, but, you know, just navigating the transition from college uh, to becoming a pro, you know, how to take care of your body, you know, what to expect. Um, and it's so funny because during the draft process, you know, I was asking him so many questions about workouts and everything. And now because he's over here and I've been over here for a while, now he's asking me questions about Europe and what to expect and you know, different things like that. So it's just life coming full circle. 
How much do you guys still, is there still a brotherly competition between you? Like, how do you, I'm sure there's support, but there's also got to be like, I want to one up my, my little bro. Yeah, of course. You know, I think they'll always be there. And that's, a, that's why we became, you know, the players we were. You know, we always pushed each other. You know, he wanted to be better than the older brother. I want, didn't want the younger brother to be better than me. Um, and obviously, you know, it's support. You know, we talk every single day. But you know, on the court, uh, you know, we want to be successful. And, you know, I want to see him do good. He wants to see me do good. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if we're playing each other, which there's a possibility we can this year, um, then we're definitely not going to take it easy on each other. Who, who's got the edge now? I'm sure you've still trained with him a little bit. Who's got the edge, like one-on-one pickup style? So uh, we, we try to stay away from playing one-on-one, but uh, he knows that I could score better than him. But the only thing is, if we're talking about running a team, then, you know, him being a point guard, you know, I have to give him the edge. So I think we would be perfect on the same team because, you know, he knows how to get me the ball. I know how to get him assist. Um, but, you know, I hope one day we could play together. It'd be real dope. That'd be pretty fun. Uh, so let's take, let's take you back to college because you start at Rice, you average like around nine points a, a game as a freshman, and then you have an opportunity to, to get to Villanova to transfer. Walk me through how you end up from Rice to, to Nova. Um, you know, I, I picked Rice because I knew I would start right away. Um, I thought I was under-recruited in high school, but, you know, Rice seemed like the best way for me to start my professional, I mean, my college career. I did think of transferring right when I got in there. You know, we had a great freshman class that we thought we could build through the years. You know, maybe be that mid-major that makes it to the tournament and makes some noise. Um, but, you know, I had an amazing year. You know, I was, an all, I was on the all-freshman team. Um, most assists, you know, as a Rice freshman. And, you know, I talked to my father that summer and I said, you know, I do want to play at the highest level. I do want to play in March Madness one day. And, you know, we decided, you know, I knew I had to sit out by transfer. And the first coach that called me was Coach Wright. And, you know, my dad said, you know, he wants you to come to Villanova. I said, yeah, you're lying. Because he called him first. So then we got on a three-way and we talked uh, you know, me and my dad and Coach Wright, and I hung up the phone, and I called my dad back. I said, nah, I want to commit right now. I don't even want to wait. He goes, nah, you got to go on visits. So, you know, I visited there, uh, and then I wanted to commit on my visit, but my dad said, you know, just be calm, just wait, you know, see it at the schools. So then I visited Cincinnati as well. You know, it was a great school. You know, I was leaning uh, there as well, but um, – then, you know, me and my dad had a talk and I had Virginia set up as well in Boston College. And he said, you know, what school is in your heart? I said, you know, Villanova, it's, I really want to go there. He goes, then why wait? So then that day, you know, I just called Coach Wright and signed and everything else for history. Yeah, and it worked out well. You had a chance to really – is that where you felt like you made, like, a, a real name for yourself? Like, obviously, you have a good year at Rice, but, like, is Villanova where you feel like you established yourself? Yeah, you know, I think it was the big stage. I think um, everybody knew Villanova for the guards. And once I signed there, people realized that, you know, I could play at that highest level. Um, but I do also think, you know, if you've seen that, uh, talk to my friends, I always tell them, if I didn't get injured, I believe I would have had a different career there. 
Um, but, you know, I would never trade that for anything. It's all about life experiences. It's all about learning from, you know, everything. But, you know, on the court, I think breaking my hand after my sit-out year and having to sit out about eight or nine games, I think that definitely, you know, changed my career a little bit. You, you, you transfer, and that's the year Villanova wins a national championship. And I'm sure <laughs> they're like – I mean, it has to be the question probably people ask you every time that, like, you talk about, hey, I was in Villanova and I transferred to Oregon. Like, there has to be uh-huh. a part of you that goes, ah, man, what if? Yeah, and of course, you know, obviously you think of that. You know, what if I was there? And But the thing is, you have to, uh, I, what I think, I, this I justify it. You know, if I was there, you know, everything would be different. The rotation would have been different. The um, Who had the shot opportunities would have been different. And, you know, yeah, maybe if I was still there, we would have won a national championship. But, you know, I think transferring was the best thing for me. Um, Coach Wright was amazing through it. You know, me and him still talk to this day. Uh, he was very supportive. And, you know, when I got to Oregon, I said, we have to make it to the Final Four before I leave college or it's not going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Sports Illustrated called you the unluckiest player in college basketball at one point following yeah. that 2016 year because of the transfer. Take me back, like, because I'm sure you watched the game with Villanova in the championship, and it was one of oh, the, yeah. the great championship games of all time. Uh-huh. What are you thinking watching that game and you watch your former team? Like, come on, be yeah, honest with me. Yeah, it's crazy because so I was actually at my assistant coach's house and we had everybody there. And for the last play, I told them, I, we, it was a time and I told everybody in the room, I said, they're going to run this play called Nova. And it was the exact play that they ran. And we would run it all the time. Scotty Reynolds actually ran it when he hit the shot. So they ran it. And I said, Ryan's going to hit the game winner because Ryan always hits big shots. I was so surprised when he passed it. So they ran the exact play, passed it to Chris, and I was so happy for them. You know, I knew that, you know, I knew what they worked for. I know how much um, work Coach Wright put in the years prior. So, you know, I would even, I'd even text them after the game because I knew their phones were blowing up. But I text each player that I played with when I was there, and I text all the coaches about a week later when everything settled down. And, you know, just, uh, you know, congratulate them. So I was so happy for them. You know, even Coach Wright, you know, he told me, he goes, you know, this was because of you. This was because of the guys who came in and got the program back to where it needed to be. And, you know, it was great to hear. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I actually, growing up, I, I grew up outside Philadelphia. And so I, I went to Villanova basketball camp. And, and Coach Jay Wright still, despite the fact I went to Syracuse when, he, when they were still in the Big East, Still one of the classiest and, and nicest coaches I think I've ever encountered. Yeah, of course. Yeah, great guy. So you go to Oregon, and 2017, sixth year, it, final run, like maybe like the third time through of like a final final run in college for you. Sweet 16, <laughs> I think it was, you guys are playing Michigan, and you go against Derek Walton on the final shot. Walk me through that play. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So in the timeout, I believe uh, we had four fouls and coach. And I said, you know, I want to guard the ball because I missed a free throw um, earlier, uh, closer to that. So I said, you know, I want to guard the ball. You know, if we're going to go out, it's going to be on my back. You know, it's my last year. So I told him I wanted to guard him. He was having a great game. And coach said, yo, we have four fouls. When I tell you to foul, go foul him so that they get out of rhythm. They can take the ball out. So I don't know. I was just in the moment. I was guarding him. I should have fouled him. I didn't. He pulled the step back 
and I went to contest. I actually slipped a little bit. And when I tell you it was in slow motion when the ball hit the rim and missed. And if you watch the video, you see me with my hands on my knees because I said, I, yeah, I got back home. I, I, I told my wife, she, she was my girlfriend at the time. And I said, yo, if he would have made that shot, I would have quit basketball. That would have changed because it was going to replay, replay every time I watch college basketball. So I was like, I was so happy he missed the shot. Sometimes, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? Like sometimes you just yeah. need a break to go your way. Yeah, the basketball gods were definitely my favorite with that shot. What was the fulfillment of getting to the Final Four that year with Oregon after watching what Villanova did after you left? Yeah, you know, it was big. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I was happy for Villanova, but, you know, I wanted to prove to myself that it was the right decision to go as far as a basketball sense. You know, I came to college wanting to, you know, win a national championship. And obviously, you know, I made it to the Final Four, so it was amazing. But, you know, I just had a different type of fire than, you know, anybody else in that court had. You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I went out on top. And, you know, getting to that Final Four, you know, I think that was the cherry on top to, you know, my long career. What is What did that mean for the Oregon program? Because obviously it had been, like, forever since the Ducks had been on that stage. Like, what was it like to be part of that? Yeah, it was big because, you know, obviously, you know, they've been through so many ups and downs, whether I was on the court or off the court. You know, I know how much dedication Coach uh, Altman puts into his program. I know how passionate he is for the program. And for him to, you know, go through those years and finally get to the Final Four where he wanted to be, you know, it definitely propelled the program. And now you see, you know, everybody's realizing that, you know, the Oregon is right up there with the Villanovas, the North Carolinas, the Syracuses. And, you know, we're not just, Oregon's not just winning now. They're sending guys to the NBA where everybody wants to be. So, and then the Nike deal, that, that helps as well. So, you know, I think it's, it was definitely good for the program getting back to winning and getting, you know, the guys they want in the future now. What's the best piece of gear you got in Oregon? Oh, that's tough. We, I got so much. I, I, I definitely say the jerseys. I think the jerseys were amazing because you get to switch them every single game. And even us, we were surprised at, you know, all the, the jerseys we have. And, of course, the shoes. Everybody loves the Oregon shoes. Um, I got a pair of Jordans that I actually put in uh, the storage. So in 20 years, I could sell them for big money. But, you know, it, it, was, it was definitely the jerseys for me because, you know, the shoes, everybody could buy uh, Oregon uh, Jordan, but not everybody could get the Oregon jerseys. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the retirement plan? Yeah, that's a retirement plan. If I'm if I'm hard on money, I'm gonna sell those Jordans. <laughs> Fair enough. Wait, I mean, you play for three schools throughout your college career. Is there, like, do you feel like a special tie to each one? Do you really feel the the strongest to Oregon? Like, how do you look at your allegiances now? Yeah, um, Rice. Um, I, I I take the you know they gave me a chance. You know, you need a chance. Uh, before your journey starts. Um, so I, I do take that from them. You know, obviously I was, on, I was only there for a year, um, but I appreciated it. You know, Villanova, you know, everything Coach Wright taught me and everything I went through there, you know, made me be tough. You know, he was always about being tough and getting through it and attitude. Um, so, you know, I take that from Villanova. You know, even though it was ups and downs, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. 
And then obviously from Oregon, you know, the final four, you know, I met my wife, uh, you know, I, I have a daughter now um, with her, you know, and, you know, just the camaraderie from the guys that I still talk to. Um, if you're talking about, you know, lifelong things that I remember, it has to be Oregon. I have to pick Oregon because, you know, I learned so much about myself and I took so much stuff from there that I instill in my life now. So if there was like a, a little quadrant of an NCAA tournament in Oregon, Rice, and Villanova end up in the same thing, you're, you're a duck through and through. I'm sorry, I'm a duck. My boy, <laughs> my boy, he's a walk-on. His name's Kevin Rafferty. He, I used to live with him at Villanova, and he goes, Dylan, you graduated from Villanova. You played most games there. You should always cheer for Villanova over Oregon, but I just have a different feel for Oregon. I just felt like me there. It was, I, that's where I put my roots. So no, no takeaway from uh, Villanova and what I experienced there, but, you know, Oregon has my heart. I think you have an interesting perspective when it comes to some of the things going on in the NCAA in terms of transfers and the talk now that like, all right, you know, one time transfer, if somebody wants to start somewhere and go to the other place, you don't have to sit out that year. Like you had to, what would you like, what's your thought process about that in terms of like the transfer process and what it meant for you to be able to do that, even though you had to sit out a year? Um, yeah, for me, first off, uh, it was it was definitely uh, tough not playing in games, but it gives you such a chance to, you know, to work on your weaknesses, work on your body, work on um, learning the game. I think Villanova did an amazing job at it. Um, and, you know, it showed with other guys like Dante DiVincenzo, you know, Eric Pascal, that, you know, they became better players because they're sit out here. So I think it's a sitting out, it could be amazing for a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys, they don't know how to use the time, right? They get bored. For me, it was, it was, it was great. Um, but as far as the rule, you know, I think, and, you know, I'm no judge on it, but I just don't feel like it's fair that a coach could transfer or, you know, change schools and whether he just left because he got paid more or left like John Calipari, who ended up hurting uh, Memphis they shouldn't be able to coach right away if you're not going to allow the players. And I know it will be, you know, a mess if players are transferring every single year. So maybe you tell them, all right, once you transfer once, then you don't have to sit out. And then if you transfer a second time, then that's when you have to sit out a year. But, you know, I just don't think that coaches shouldn't be reprimanded and players should because there's so many times where a coach will leave and that's the guy who recruited you. So now you're stuck with a coach that doesn't even like you. That's not fair. Yeah, no, it's not. And I think, especially in the coaching situation, it just seems like there should be a blanket situation. And there are other issues that come up, like for you, like you, you prove yourself one year, who's to say like why you can't go play in the Big East or the ACC or Big Ten. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, they, they definitely have to change that rule because, you know, obviously they, they have it for the fifth year seniors. Yeah, you know, you're there, you graduate, then you have your chance. But, you know, for these young guys who – and sometimes guys who are coming into college, they didn't pick the school. Everybody around them, you know, put hype in their head like, hey, go here. It's a big school. And when they get there, they realize it's not what they want. You know, give them a chance to, you know, correct that mistake. You know, you don't have to give them four chances, but, you know, at least one so you could get to where you want to be. We talked about the NBA draft already, and I thought it was really interesting in talking to Melo Tribble, who's over there in Spain playing in the ACB uh, with you. And he was talking about how when he was at Maryland, 
if he, he felt like if he left after his freshman year where he was so good, he probably would have been a first-round pick. And he may be in the NBA yeah. now, not playing in the ACB, but he stayed a couple of years. And sometimes in terms of NBA scouts, like you lose your luster. But I, my point was like, would you be the same player in the NBA now if you had gotten that opportunity, if you hadn't have stayed a couple of years in college? Like for you, how much did you learn through the – five, six years you spend in college and how different of a player are you if you have to, if you're done after four at Villanova, as opposed to being a grad transfer? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, if I would have been fortunate enough to leave after a year or two to the NBA, uh, young me, I don't know where I, I don't know how I would have ended up basketball wise, but I knew that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a bad kid, but you know, with everything goes on in the NBA and having that kind of money and, you know, having that attention around you, I don't know, you know, how my life would have went, but you know, me being in college for so long, you know, allowed me to learn about myself, allowed me to, you know, get other interests besides basketball. Um, you know, yeah, it was my dream to be in the NBA as soon as I can when I was a young kid. But looking back at it now, you know, I, I'm proud of the man I am today. And I only think I got there from staying in college for a while. Um, you know, if I left after four years, uh, you know, I, I, I was definitely mature after four years. But I think the extra two years, it definitely <laughs> brought me, you know, up a step. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think it was exactly what I was supposed to do. It was the exact opposite of what your younger brother did, who just was like, all right, I had a, had a good year, I'm out of here. <laughs> he just said, he's out. And I think, it, I think with, with him, I would say he was definitely more mature than I was at that age. You know, he, you could see it on the court, but even as a person, you know, he has this maturity to him. Um, you know, I think he was able to, you know, navigate through, you know, the challenges and the tough times. Um, and, you know, would he do it over again? then change his mind and stay in college? I don't think so. I think he's taken uh, that pick any time. Um, but, you know, obviously we always talk about like, you know, what if he stayed? You know, what if he would have went to a different situation when he got drafted? Um, but, you know, it's just what ifs. You know, we live this life and you know, we just have to keep rolling with the punches. Speaking of what ifs, you mentioned Cincinnati, a place you visited while looking to transfer to Villanova. I'm sure you looked at some other options for that, that grad year, too. What's the what if school that you just wish, like, just not in terms of playing and how it would have turned out differently, but like you wish you would have like tried out for a little bit? Um, I wish I wish I would have uh, gave uh, Virginia more of a chance. Um, the only reason I didn't, I decided not to, you know, I love Tony Bennett, um, but, you know, everybody told me they have a slow offense and, you know, I love to be erratic. I love to run and gun. Um, but, you know, I think I would have, if what transferred from Rice, I would have went to, if I could change it, I would have went to a smaller school and be, been the big fish, you know, going to Villanova, going to Oregon, you know, it was amazing, but you are uh, a fish in a big pond with big, bigger fish than you are, you know, and every, all the guys I played with, they were all ranked. They were all had a big name to them. Um, but if I could have changed it, I would have been like the CJ McCollum, the Damian Lillard who went to a smaller school, you know, put up big numbers and everybody wanted to come watch me play. And I think that would have gave me the best shot. 
is there a difference now? Because I think like even maybe 10 years ago, you probably like even some of those guys are kind of like the first guys who really did that and really made a name for themselves in the NBA. Like, is it a different atmosphere now with like the fact that you can see every game on TV and like there's a better, mm -hmm. there's a different experience in terms of college? Um, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, you, you're able, I think as the time goes on, things do change. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the more things change, the, the, the more information we get. And I think, you know, the information I have now, you know, it, it would have been better for me when I was younger. Fair enough. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish with some quick hitters to, to get you out of here. Uh, we talked about Jay Wright and you played for Villanova. So question, who is the best dressed coach you've played for throughout your entire career? Everybody. Is it him? That doesn't even coach right under said he has tailor-made suits. <laughs> There's no beating him. Is there anybody even close? Like you're in Spain now. Like there's some European guys who can dress well. I'm telling you, there is, but nobody compares to Coach Wright. When I tell you this guy is Mr. Clean from top to bottom, he, he always has it. Even the inside of his suits that you guys don't see, they're customized, and those it actually looks better on the inside than the outside. I mean, when you guys go on road trips and you got to, like, get all dressed up and then you got to compare to him, like, do you just try not to sit next to him or stand next to him? <laughs> like, it's going to make you look bad? Yeah, you know, um, it's crazy because he used to always tell us, you know, don't worry about the cameras, you know, building over basketball. But I'm like, yo, the cameras is always on you because you're fixed. But, you know, I let him handle that. That's fair enough. Uh, you, you've got a chance to experience a lot of places uh, over in Europe. But I know the pandemic's probably dampened some things. But you, the favorite city or country you visited with, uh, with your family? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I've been to a lot of places, but, you know, without my daughter, um, it would have to be Belgrade, Serbia. Um, you know, it's an amazing place, you know, very fast paced. Um, you know, we loved it there, you know, when it was just me and my wife. But, you know, having a daughter and raising a family, you know, I'd take, you know, most 90% of the places in Spain. You know, Zaragoza is an amazing place. Um, you know, Spain is just perfect for the family and you know obviously you know there's other places outside of spain that you know you can raise a, a family in a great way but you know spain is definitely number one for me you uh have been pretty good on tiktok with uh with some videos with your daughter what's your, what's your favorite tiktok with her um there's a dance that uh, me my wife and my daughter did and she grabbed the phone when we were trying to do the dance and ran with it and it got like I think it's like five or eight million views right now. So that's definitely my favorite one. I think that's my most viral social media uh, post I've ever had. Kid, kids are, they're content machines, man. Like on top of the, oh, all the love, they're content machines. Uh, everybody always tells me now, like, oh, you know, I just come to your page just to see your daughter. I was like, that's cool. You know, she's the cutest thing. So that's fine with me. So uh, finally, if you could live one other place in the world, back in the United States, wherever, like what's the, where's the, the one spot? Back in Canada, like where, where is it? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, I would pick Canada um, just because I would be able to be around my family, you know, being gone for so long. Um, you know, Canada is definitely, 
you know, where, you know, me and my family would love to be. Um, but in a perfect world, if I could move my whole family and them to be with us, I'd go to Australia, you know, where my wife lives because, you know, it's nice. It has, it's summer all year round, basically. And, um, you know, when I visited there, I loved it. But, you know, the only thing is, you know, it's just hours away from everything. You know, we took a flight there from Europe and it took about 26 hours. So, you know, it's tough with it being so far, but, you know, it's, it's amazing being there. So finally, I'll, I'll add one more on. Uh, best Canadian basketball player of all time. Who's your number one? Of all all right, since I'm taking me and my brother out, okay. um, I would have to say, yeah, I'd have to say Steve Nash. You know, he really put, you know, Canada on the map, you know. And, you know, we, we grew up watching him. And we always, you know, said, you know, we wanted to play like Steve Nash. And he made us know that, you know, it's possible for us to be professional basketball players, whether that was in the NBA or that was in Europe. And that wasn't just, just being, getting there. You know, he was successful there. He was MVPs. So, you know, he gave us the hope. And, you know, I think, you know, most of, if not all the basketball players from Canada, you asked, they're going to say Steve Nash was definitely the pioneer. Well, uh, he's, he's a good guy to try to follow in his footsteps. He's now got a, a head coaching role. So uh, maybe, maybe someday. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, he brings all the Canadians to Brooklyn and, you know, that'd be dope. <laughs> Dylan, man, appreciate all the time. Good luck here the, the rest of the way this year. And hopefully we'll have a chance to chat down the road. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.